Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. So last week, we actually started our new series called Increase a Journey of Faith. And during this time, we've really been praying and seeking the Lord to increase our faith while also meditating and reading through passages of Scripture where we see faith being put into practice and how faith leads to action in the lives of God's people. Uh, This entire series will be leading up to our Heart for the House offering that will be collected on December 5th. And last week, Pastor Michael taught us that for increase to happen, it starts from a place of decrease. Humility is the key to knowing who God is. Our own Lord Jesus Christ even tells us that those who humble themselves will be exalted, but those who exalt themselves will be brought down. So the key to knowing God and understanding the favor that he bestows upon his people begins with having a humble heart toward the Lord. We also discuss that faith leads to vision in our lives, and that vision, once God gives it to us, leads to action. So let's see if you guys remember. It starts with faith, then vision, then action. Thank you, Kathy. Awesome. So faith leads to vision, and vision leads to action. The faith that we have toward God, God then gives us vision of the direction we are heading in, the direction that his Holy Spirit actually is leading us toward, and that vision then affects our actions, and our actions begin to reflect the vision that God has given us, and all of this comes from our faith. So this week, we're going to be looking in the life of David, the king of Israel. So when we think of David, it's easy to immediately run to remembering him defeating Goliath, and if not that, then considering his fall in adultery with Bathsheba, but today we're going to look at a different period of his life. And in this same period of his life, we see a lot of faith being exercised by David. All right, so David is described as a man who is after God's own heart. God's own heart. That is David's only desire above all else was to know God and experience him in his life. So David was the youngest of eight brothers, and he was actually a shepherd. He tended to the sheep of his house. Um, And one day, Samuel, who is the prophet of God, received the word from the Lord that God was going to raise up a new king of Israel, and that Samuel was to go find him and anoint him for the kingship over the nation of Israel. So Samuel was sent to David's household, and he met with Jesse, the father of the house. And when Samuel met with Jesse, he told him the situation that, hey, I am here to anoint the new king of Israel, and Jesse, out of excitement, Uh, positioned before Samuel his seven older sons. Uh, And going down from oldest to the youngest of the first seven, Samuel one by one received from the Lord confirmation that none of the people standing before him were to become the new king of Israel. So confused, Samuel objects and says, do you have any more sons? The Lord is not telling me that these are who he desires to be king. And Jesse says, oh yeah, I do have another son. He's out tending to the sheep. And I think it's interesting that when Samuel came to anoint David as king of Israel, he was tending to the sheep. Sometimes 
when we receive visions from the Lord or when we receive a word of knowledge from someone in a church service of something that God desires for our lives, it's easy for us to focus on the vision and forget God. David didn't forget God. Though he was given a task to tend to the sheep, he remained faithful to that task. A lot of people wonder why God isn't giving them new tasks and bringing the next big thing in their life when they haven't completed the first task that God gave them. So, as Jesse said, yes, he is in the field tending to the sheep. So David's tending to the sheep. He's remaining faithful to his appointed duty. It doesn't matter how he's feeling. It doesn't matter what problems arise in his life. David is tending to the sheep. When we remain faithful to the task God lays before us, God looks upon our faithfulness and then anything can happen. It becomes a problem, though, when we allow God's vision to become secondary to our own vision. Pride begins to set in, and then when we get told to tend to the sheep, we sneer at that directive from the Lord and say, God, that's beneath me. You want me to be here. I don't want to do work that's down here. But hold on. God's vision for you is why he created you. He did not create you to fulfill your own vision, but to fulfill his. So ask yourself today, are you letting God direct you by putting your faith in him or by putting your faith in yourself? The Lord Jesus Christ tells us, well done, good and faithful servant. He doesn't look at us and say, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) Are you being faithful to the task God has placed in front of you? So Samuel anoints David as the future king of Israel. David's faithfulness produced a vision and that vision from God. When God gives you a vision, your actions begin to follow that vision and your identity is grounded in who God now says you are. Your faith gets strengthened more and more. And then when you begin to understand who God is and how he deals with his people, your confidence gets shifted from yourself and gets placed rightly into God. That is why when Goliath came against Israel, David wasn't worried because he knew God would fight for him. He just had to be obedient. So often do people run from the battles that are set before them because they don't know either who God is or who they are in Christ. To be able to walk this Christian life, we must first love the Lord thy God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. The reason Jesus says this is because in Christ we have all been made new and made able to love God and love people together. That is where our new identity lies, and it's found in Christ. So God raised up David, and when it was time for battle, he stood with confidence because his devotion was to the Lord. When God becomes everything you need, you begin to see him working in every aspect of your life because he becomes the source of all of your prosperity, all of your strength, all of your wisdom. Every action that you do reflects knowing God and experiencing him. So your, your source of faith is God. Your source of identity is God. So that must make your source for battle yourself, right? No. None of you said no, but okay. Uh, so 
No, the source is always going right back to God. God is our source of every single thing, whether it be our life, whether it be our strength. And when we go to battle, whether it be in the spirit or just struggling on a day-to-day natural basis, God is our source to walk in power. So David got this. David gave all the glory to God and doesn't make any of it about himself. He was a lowly shepherd. And then even after Samuel anointed him the future king, he went back to being that shepherd until it was his time to step into the throne. Because of this, God increased David's faith, increased his strength, and increased his influence in the kingdom of Israel. So as time goes on, David grows to be a strong man of God. He becomes a warrior who gains favor from the current king, King Saul, and became popular among the people because of his battle strategies and the heart that he had for the Lord. While all of this was happening, though, King Saul began to grow jealous of David. The same person that Saul basically took under his wing, allowed him to live in his castle, and whenever Saul started struggling, David would play his harp and it would calm Saul down. Saul began to harbor a resentment to someone who at one point he saw as a son. So his heart began to be hardened against David. And due to King Saul's disobedience to the Lord, it was prophesied to him that a new king was going to be risen up by the Lord God. And Saul knew that it was David. Saul's resentment for David grew so much that he eventually put a hit out on David's head and was seeking his life. This caused David and his men who were loyal to him to flee from Israel for their lives. And during that time, it was actually when David wrote the majority of the Psalms that he did. You might recall the verse, even though I walked through the shadow of the valley of death, that was an actual valley. It was where David and his men were hiding from King Saul as he was looking for them to take their life because he was afraid of where God was going to bring David. And instead of cheering on David like a good spiritual father should, when they see their spiritual son be stepping into a position where God is going to exalt them and prosper them, he wanted to bring David down because of his own insecurities. So this is where all of us are going to camp out today. David had faith. The faith gave him God's favor and produced a, a vision. The vision caused him to have action. But what are you going to do when you start to second guess that action? What happens when you know what God has in store for you? That's not up for question. You fight for it in faith and you remain faithful to the Lord knowing he will bring you there. But the lines start to blur between what comes from God and what is coming from yourself. That is where we find David today. And that leads me to the title of today's message, which is, Is it God or is it me? So there are times when we convince ourselves that God is telling us something, when in reality it came from our own heart. It becomes easy to take a step of faith without even being led by the Holy Spirit. It is certain that when we do this, God will, out of his graciousness, bring correction to get us back on track to following his Holy Spirit and walking in obedience. So we find David and his men, they've been hiding in caves and valleys on the run. They've left their loved ones, family, their homes to just 
protect their lives because they know King Saul is after them. Meanwhile, Saul has a search party out looking for them. And in this instance, King Saul and his men came upon David and his friends in a cave. So if you have your scripture with you today, I invite you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 24. And starting at verse 1, it reads, When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. So here we see that Saul actually gathered up 3,000 chosen men of Israel. This is equivalent to the special forces unit of Israel that you call when you have found public enemy number one. And it shows the severity of the situation that David is in. This isn't some half whatever attempt to take his life. Saul is trying to make it certain that David will never be a problem for him for the rest of his days as king. So he gathers up these 3,000 chosen men, and we see the severity of the situation that David finds himself in. And we read on at verse 3. And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. Now I want you all to picture this. You're on the run from wherever you came from. You and your friends who were loyal enough to you to come with you are in this cave. You're trying to make light of a good situ- of a terrible situation. You're cracking jokes, you're talking to each other, playing cards, whatever it might be. And you hear an army marching towards you. So you do the right thing and you run deeper in the cave. It gets darker, it gets spookier, it gets grosser. And then you sit there for a while until you know that you're safe. And then out of curiosity, you go toward the front of the cave. And 20 feet before you, the same man who chased you out of your home, the same man who caused you all this pain and suffering that you've been dealing with for God knows how long, is doing a number two 20 feet away from you. What kind of idea would come up when you find your biggest enemy in their most vulnerable position? And that's where the tension of this passage starts to arise. We read on in verse 4. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you. First they laughed and then they said this. Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give you your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. David knows the vision that God is going to make him king of Israel. He has his men and the popularity of his own nation waiting for him back at home at his return. The only thing standing between him and assuming his rightful place as king of Israel is doing a number two 20 feet away from him. Even his men remind him of a word of prophecy that David received that actually lines up with this very moment. All the cards seem to be aligning. David now faces a serious choice. Is this God or is this me? We have all found ourselves asking a similar question at some point in our lives. Could this be God? It lines up with my dreams, so it must be from God, right? If I do this one thing, I'll be exactly where God wants me to be. 
or is this just me? That is what is so tricky about this situation. The word from the Lord seems to line up with this moment. If David just takes down vulnerable, unexpecting, bathroom-using Saul, he can walk out of the cave as the new king, and the favor and support of the people is already waiting for him. There are many times in our lives when we face a similar scenario. If I did this one deal, if I used this one person to get ahead at my job, if I gave into this one desire a little bit more, then I'd be happy. The solution of this problem is actually simpler than it seems. Does this action bring honor to God? If you want to see an increase happen in your life, then you have to ask yourself, would this bring honor to God, and does this bring honor to God? Your own personal gain, done in a spirit of dishonor, is not from God, it is from yourself. God will never approve of something that was birthed from sin. If what you think God has led you to do requires you to act from a place of dishonor and sin, then it is not from God, it is from yourself. I know this can be tough, and if any of you have an issue with this, email Pastor Michael. So let's see what happens next with David. Then David arose and stealthily cut a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. You guys see what David just did? He doesn't even lay a finger on Saul, except for his robe. All within a few moments, David cuts Saul's robe, and conviction sets in immediately. He remembers who God is, and then that impacts his decision-making. See, the reason why David was able to refrain from acting on his own desire to kill the man who caused him so much pain is because his devotion was to the Lord. David's devotion dictates his decision. That's a quadruple D statement. You can write that down if you want. I give you permission to steal it. Since David is devoted to the Lord, he submits himself to the desires of the Lord. If David had been devoted to himself, he would give in to his own desires, which would make him exactly like Saul. Because David knew the Lord and understand who he was in the Lord, he had the clarity and guidance to navigate an otherwise impossible situation. So we read on. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. David's devotion to God didn't just impact his own decisions. If you read the passage, it says that David executing God's judgments brought clarity to not just himself, but the people around him. All it takes is one willing heart to follow the righteousness of God to make a difference not only in your life, but in the lives of everyone else around you. It is good to have faith 
when we look forward to what God has promised to us and what God plans on doing in each of our lives. But if that faith leads to sin, to dishonor, or hurting someone for your own gain, then the faith you are acting in is not toward God, it is toward yourself. For many Christians, this is one of the greatest struggles to persevere through. Am I hearing the voice of God, or is it just coming from me? This is why prayer and scripture are of the utmost importance to the Christian life. Reading scripture is as if you are inhaling oxygen, and prayer is as if you are exhaling Neglecting either of these actions is depriving your soul of the most basic of necessities. People want to know what God's will is for your life. I can tell you what God's will is. God is never going to ask you to do something you can do on your own. You are going to need his help in order to accomplish it. God will not call you to do something that is based on your own strength or your own abilities. I want to reach the destination God has prepared for me. But if I plan to reach it my way instead of God's way, I will end up doing more harm than good. So how do we hear the voice of God? It comes from a deeper understanding of who God is and how he operates with his people. So I have some questions here that you can ask yourself either during this week or after the service, uh, just ask yourself for practical application on how you can know and get closer to hearing the voice of God. So the first is, does it agree with the Bible? God reveals who he is through his word. And in his word, it says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same things that were told to us about God thousands of years ago are consistent with the same God today who is reigning over us. God reveals who he is through his word. If you think God is asking you something that is contrary to scripture, I can tell you right now it's not from God. The second question is, is it motivated by envy or selfish ambition? If you are doing something that's motivated by envy or selfish ambition, it reflects that your devotion is not being placed in God, but is being placed in yourself because you want to get exalted. You want to raise yourself up higher without the help of God and at the expense of other people around you. That is not how God exalts people. Remember at the beginning, the Lord Jesus Christ said, those who humble themselves will be exalted not those who exalt themselves. Actually, God's going to bring you right back down and humble you anyway. So question number three that I have for you is, does my church family confirm it? The scriptures also tell us that no prophecy is of single interpretation. If you are not a part of a church family to bring your questions to, spiritual mothers and fathers in your life to bring um, problems that you've been working out in your own walk with God to, then you are just going to be running around making more mistakes than necessary until you figure it out. Have you looked for godly counsel about things that, is, that are troubling you? It is good to always go to God with all our problems, but God will give us people in our life to bear our burdens with us so that we may all build each other up as the body of Christ. So is it, and number four, 
Is it consistent with how God has shaped me? This is really important because if you don't know yourself, and if you don't know who God has made you to be in Christ, then you will never know what God has made you to do. First, you must know who you are in Christ. Read the book of Ephesians for that. Then you must know why God created you to do something. So then we get to my last question to ask yourselves. Is it convicting rather than condemning? God loves his people so much that he will bring correction when it is necessary rather than letting you continue on in error. But God will never bring condemnation to you. The Bible tells us that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. God brings correction and conviction, but he does not ever bring condemnation. To truly hear the voice of God, we must with a humble heart submit our will to his. If you are submitting your will to God's will, your will begins to look like God's will. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. How do you expect God to direct your path if you are not acknowledging him? So we finish up the passage with verse 8. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and, and, and paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks your harm. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients says, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the, Lord, has the, has the king of Israel came out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog, after a flea. May the Lord, therefore, be judge and give sentence between me and you, and see to it, and plead my cause, and deliver me from your hand. So we see in David's confrontation with Saul that even after everything Saul had put him through, David still approaches him with a humble heart. He continues to recognize Saul as his spiritual father. David even counts himself as nothing, but a dead dog and a flea. Saul has driven David out of his home, and David still has the strength to say, but my hand shall not be against you. David doesn't slander Saul, even though he knows that God desires for David to be king and not for Saul, but David knows that it is not his place to step out of the will of God and make what God purposes for him to happen on his own terms. Some of you may have encountered people in your life who you have judged to be unworthy of your respect. 
Some of these people may even be in positions of authority over you. I'm talking about your boss, your parents at some point, and even your pastor, if you've had that, been in that situation. Though the pain they caused you is not right, it is better for you to bless those who have caused you pain. David was able to bless his spiritual father even though he was trying to kill him. So how can we not do the same? This is where the action that faith produces comes into play. Because this revealed David's true heart, David's true character, through this act of mercy, the heart of God was shown to 3,000 chosen men of Israel, David's friends, and to King Saul. We see a lot of the Lord Jesus Christ in David. He had mercy on his enemies and loved those who persecuted him. And even when we recount of all of the righteous deeds that King David committed in his life, they are but a mere shadow when we compare them to the Lord Jesus Christ. David had his shortcomings, and he fell multiple times in his life. And where he fell, Christ didn't. And he accomplished it for David, and he accomplished it for all of us too. The mercy that David showed Saul is a shadow of the mercy that Jesus Christ shows each one of us each and every day. And if you are longing for that kind of mercy, that kind of peace, Jesus Christ wants to give it to you. You need only to ask him and receive it. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.